If you would, take your Bibles and uh, join me in turning to Luke chapter number 2 this morning. Luke chapter number 2. For some of you, if you wonder where I learned to sing, it was Brother Luther who taught me. About the only advice Brother Luther would give me when singing is he'd say, Brother Bill, keep both of your chins down when you're singing. That's about what he would, uh, he would do uh, for me. But anyway, uh, it's so good to see you on this Christmas Eve. I personally think that uh, in the house of the Lord is the best place for you to be on Christmas Eve. And uh, there are a lot of voices that are out there in the world today. All you got to do is read the news, watch the news. And uh, you hear a lot of things, and only the Lord knows what's true. But you know, when you come to the house of the Lord and somebody opens up the Bible and they preach the Word of God, you can rest assured that God's Word is true. And it's the message that every one of us needs to hear this morning, the message of God's Word. And so I want to thank you for making the choice to have you and your family in the house of the Lord this morning. That's an encouragement to me. I want to say a special word of thank you to Anna Minion. Our pianist, you learn to treat your pianist nicely because you're at their mercy. And so we were quick to treat her well on the way up. She's a senior at Ambassador, a music student. Uh, just a, She's a wonderful musician, but she also has just a wonderful spirit. And I'm so glad that she could be with us today. And then my daughter, Karis, she's 17. She's a senior in high school. And uh, so we're beating away the boys off of her, cleaning our guns and all that other stuff just to make a point uh, and to save a life out there, you know. So, But I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that they could uh, be here and to minister together with you this morning. Luke chapter number 2, and I want to begin reading in verse number 25. In Luke chapter 20. Or Luke chapter 2 and verse number 25, the Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword." shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. As we begin the story that we've read this morning, if I could say it respectfully, we see an old man and a young baby. 
You see an old man, and when I say that term old man, I don't mean it in the derogatory fashion. I hear some people, they say, well, that's my old man. I just never have taken to that language. And if you have, that's fine. And if it's a term of endearment in your family, then that's fine. But I'd like to think this morning, I use it in a respectful sense, you have an old man and he's holding a young baby. You've got a man who's at the end of his life and he's holding a child that's at the beginning. Now, the caveat with Jesus is, is that that may have been the beginning of his earthly life, but we know that Jesus has always been. Amen. He was there at the dawn of creation and he has always been. Why the Son of God from everlasting to everlasting? But here you have an older gentleman, and you're hold, he's holding a young child, and it shows the span of every area of life. I mean, from Dan to Beersheba, from infant to the grave. And it's very important for us this morning to think about that because every one of you in this room fit in that spectrum. I believe most of the youngins are in a nursery or somewhere, or they'd be singing in chorus during the service this morning. And there are some of you that you'd say, Brother Beal, I'm on the older side of things and probably closer to heaven than I am to anything else. But wherever you're at in the spectrum, I want to tell you that it is important for every one of you here today to see Jesus for who He really is. You know, we live in a world today, do you know that Christmas is by far, Christmas and Easter are the two most commercialized holidays of the year. I think that's by design because I think that the God of this world wants to distract people from the importance of the meaning of the message of Jesus. And so for the next few moments, listen to me, whether you're a teenager or you're a senior citizen, listen to me. I want you to understand who Jesus was and who he is just like Simeon did many years ago. And so with that in mind, I want to simply take you through the text and I want you to see the significance of the Savior. I'm afraid that there are many people today, they can tell you about Christmas, they can tell you about presents, but when you ask them about Jesus, they say He's a babe in a manger, they say that there are nativity scenes, and yet they don't know why He came. And I believe that there are a lot of people in the Bible Belt who've had a lot of religion but they have never let Jesus Christ change their lives. And when you look hard into the face of that manger, the face of that child in the manger this morning, I want you to understand Jesus Christ came to seek and to save every last one of us. The worst among us. And Simeon understood that when he said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. The first thing I want you to see this morning is I want you to see Simeon's person. Simeon is one of two that's highlighted, I believe, in the book of Luke as seeing Jesus after his birth and there being a special connection and there being a special story. One is a widow lady named Anna and then we find that here is Simeon. Now the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Simeon, but notice in verse 25... It says, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. 
You know, there's not a whole lot that we see when it comes to Simeon, but we see that this was a man who had a sobriety in his heart. He was just and devout. I believe when the Bible tells us that here was one, when we talk about being just, how is a man made righteous? Well, in Simeon's case, it wasn't just simply by being a good man. I know here in the South, we say he was a good man. I understand what was being meant, but when you hold every one of us to God's standard, we're not good men. So how does the Bible say that Simeon was just? I believe it was because Simeon, at this point, he had an understanding of the Messiah and he was looking to the Messiah. And as he was looking forward to the Messiah, we are to look back at what Jesus has done for us. But he was just and devout. He was sober-minded about spiritual things. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Before you came to the house of the Lord, when is the last time that you personally reflected and had a soberness in your soul about spiritual things? Maybe I could term it this way. When's the last time you had a soberness in your soul about eternity? You know, we can say that we're religious by being in this room this morning and the world may shake its head and say yes, but I'm telling you, only God knows the last time the thought of eternity gripped your heart and you said, you know what, I'm going to spend eternity somewhere forever and make sure that you're where you ought to be with God. Every person on, the Christmas, on the Christmas, this Christmas Eve, you need to have a sobriety in your heart. He was just and devout. And what was he waiting for? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Simeon was a believer. But he had, a, he had a respect in his heart. He had an anticipation. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Jesus to come the first time. People might say, well, how do you know Simeon was serious about things with God? Well, he was looking for Jesus. But can I tell you something? Even in our day and time, you can still tell when people are serious about the things of God. You say, how is that? When you see that people, Christians, are looking for Jesus. You say, what do you mean? Jesus came the first time in a manger, but the Bible also tells us that He's coming again. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says that the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 16 and 17. We knew that Simeon was serious about God because he was looking for the first coming. Let me tell you something. You'll know people in this room are serious about God when they understand they better be looking for the second coming. The glorious appearing of our blessed hope. Did you know Jesus Christ could come today? Every child of God in this room, listen to me, we ought to be living with that expectation that Jesus could come today. Simeon had that expectation that he was coming the first time. Are you persuaded in your heart, Christian, that he's coming the second time? Because if you are, your life will show it. You know, when we realize that somebody is coming, it ought to set a seriousness in our hearts. 
You show me a Christian who is, has very little faith and very little faithfulness. You show me a Christian that's nominal in their lives towards God and I'll show you an individual who's not very serious about the second coming. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I, my dad, I was raised in a very poor household and my dad taught me to clean my plate. Whatever was on it, and it wasn't always the best, but I'm telling you, it was enough to feed us. And he, he would say, you always clean your plate. I still remember one day I didn't clean my plate, and I remember what happened. I got up and I went from the table to the trash can, and I started raking my food down in the trash can, and I said, oh, wait a second, there's the evidence will be in the trash can. So I shut that door, and I went over to the sink, and I started raking it down the sink. And I'm raking it down the sink, and parents have a sixth sense. I'm just letting you kids in on a secret. Mom and Dad know when you're just spinning a yarn, okay? Dad said, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I'm just putting my plate in the sink. He knew better than that. He got up, and he started walking towards me. And I'm going to tell you what, as he was walking towards me, the closer he got, the faster I raked. (laughs) And then by the time he got there, he caught me red-handed. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I loved my dad, but I sure didn't love his appearing, if you know what I mean. Listen, there may be some of you in this room, I'm not here, you say, preacher, I'm saved, I know that. All right, but listen to me, if you're not living for the Lord, I'm telling you, there's a day that Jesus is coming again. Is he going to find you serving him, or is he going to find you living for yourself? Simeon's person, he was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and and the Holy Ghost was upon him. We don't know a whole lot about Simeon, but I'm going to tell you, I think he was serious about God. And I'm going to tell you, if there's any day of the year you ought to be serious about God, it ought to be today. But not only do I want you to see his person, but I want you to see his privilege. In verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, do you understand what God had told him? I know there's a lot of people today that are like, well, God told me. Listen, I'll tell you, when it comes to that, I know this book, God told me. But back in this time, God revealed himself to Simeon and he made Simeon a promise. He said, you're not going to die until you see that baby boy. And the Bible says in verse 27, And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the children brought in the child Jesus to do thus to him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. I want to stop there for a moment. Do you understand what just happened there? Simeon took Jesus into his arms. You know, I was an only child. And people say, yeah, there's a lot of things that you got spoiled. I'll make sure of this. My dad made sure I wasn't spoiled as an only child. I'll promise you that. But I'm going to tell you, as an only child, I wasn't used to handling babies. I wasn't used to siblings. And when I got married, I'll never forget the first time we had a child. My son Andrew, I still remember holding him. I felt like I was holding glass. It was just awkward. I still remember my wife said, no, honey, keep his head up. Keep, no, 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 I, 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 you know, it just, I, it was so awkward. 
that's interesting with every child that we had. You know, they're just became, there was a greater ease. I remember after having Andrew, then we had Jared. I could hold him like this, you know, one arm, head supported and everything, you know. I mean, I, th- I thought I was a pro. And then by the time we had Karis, I could just hold her by a leg and swing her around. <laughs> but, you know, it took me a while to get used to that. But I'm going to tell you something. Had I been Simeon, I, I, I've held babies since, but I'm going to tell you, when you are Simeon, now listen to me, and you're holding in your arms the one who created the universe. Do you understand that? It blows my mind. Do you remember back in Genesis when God said, let us, you know, he, 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 and, he cre- and he creates it, let there be light, and God said, let us make man in, in our image? Now, I know we talk to ourselves, and I guess in a sense God was talking to himself. It was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I mean, at the dawn of creation, when God said, let there be light, Jesus was there, and now Simeon is holding him. If I had thought about that, I'd have fallen to pieces. I'd say, could you please just take him back? I'd be overwhelmed by it. Man, what a privilege that was. Have you ever met anybody it was just a real privilege to meet? I remember as a kid going to Tweetsie Railroad and I met Fred Kirby. Fred Kirby was the cowboy on the Saturday cartoon show and he was at, and I'm going to tell you as a 4-year-old boy when I met Fred Kirby I thought I just met the greatest man in the world. You know years later I read that Fred Kirby wasn't really a cowboy he was pretend. It devastated me. And he lived near the big city of Charlotte. But I've gotten over it. But I'm going to tell you what, I met, I met Fred Kirby and as a kid I thought that was the greatest thing. But I'm going to tell you the privilege that Simeon had paled. It, it made anything that I, any person I've ever met pale in comparison because Simeon that day held in his arms the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But my friend, I want to tell you this morning, you know there's a great privilege that you have today. You may not can have Jesus in your arms, but I'll tell you what, you can have Him in your heart. And it breaks my heart to think there's some of you, you can look on a manger scene and you know the story, but you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. My friend, every Christmas you go through the motions and you hear the gospel preached, but the Bible says, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. It'd be wonderful on this Christmas Eve that there might be people to say, you know what, my heart has been empty, my heart has been hollowed, but just as Simeon had Jesus in his arms, you'd say, you know what, I want Jesus in my life. What a privilege he had. You see his person, you see his privilege, but the third thing I want you to see is his perspective. In verse 28, Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Now here it is, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation.
You know, Simeon didn't say, I just saw a cute little baby. You ever notice how we adults start talking like children? The cute little baby. Baby can't understand a word we're saying. And if they could, they'd be like, why are you talking like that? He didn't look and say, boy, I'll tell you that, that's cute, that's a cute child. No, when he looked there, he said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Let me ask you, when you see Jesus depicted, what, what is he to you? You know, there's some people, they say, well, Jesus is a good man. You talk to some people and they say, well, Jesus was a social rebel of his day, rearing up against the Roman government. There's some people who tell you Jesus was a religious fanatic. There are other religions that tell you Jesus was a prophet. There are some blasphemers that make him out to be just some long-haired, effeminate sissy. Some people think he's the subject of a made-up story. Other people say he's a mere historical figure. The Pharisees said that he was an illegitimate child. But I'm going to tell you this. Your view of Jesus will determine your future. If you're here today and Jesus is somebody who bores you for about an hour on a Sunday morning and you go home and live your life the way that you want, I'm just telling you, you may not realize it now, but one day you will. Will, you made a grave mistake. Jesus Christ is not a myth. He's not just merely a character that's a historical character. The Bible says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. If there's ever a day in which people need saving, young and old alike, it is today. You find that there are some, Nicodemus, he's in the midst of of a thriving career. And Jesus saves him. And yet you see even in the dying moments of Jesus reaching out to a man who's in the latter part of his life. A man who says, listen, remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And even in his dying breaths, Jesus said today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. I may be talking to somebody here this morning. There's a lot of things for you in life that are going right. You're in a thriving career, but you know in your heart you have no forgiveness. You have no peace. You have no joy. I may be talking to some. You say, preacher, I'm getting a little older and I'm starting to look back on life and think about things. And you know what? My my heart is hollow. Listen, this would be a great morning for you to change your perspective about Jesus. Simeon looked there and he said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen to me. There is never a person who's ever gone to heaven but what he came by, the manger, cross, and the empty tomb. Because Jesus is the way. Now I want to ask you this morning, in your heart, what is your perspective of Jesus? What does he mean to you? You know, I've been amazed, and pastor, maybe you've heard this, but I've heard it increasingly more and more. I'm amazed in Hollywood today how the name of Jesus is used in profanity more than ever before. 
It absolutely appalls me. You know, it was a lot more rare when I was a kid when I would hear somebody exclaim, Jesus Christ, but Hollywood stars do it today without any conscience whatsoever. You know why? Because they don't have the right perspective. My friend, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and special and He died for your sins, listen to me, that kind of exclamation will repulse you. It will not make you laugh. If we went up to Simeon and said, Simeon, what did you see when you looked at that baby? He'd say, I'll tell you what I saw. He said, I saw salvation and He's the only way. But the last thing that I want you to see is I want you to see Simeon's prophecy. Simeon is serious about the things of God. Simeon holds the Son of God in his arms. Simeon sees Jesus and said, There is salvation, but before Simeon ends, he gives a prophecy. In verse 32, he says of this babe, He's a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I want to stop there for a moment. I'm glad that Jesus is the light of the world. I don't know if you were this way, but when I was a kid, I was terribly scared of the dark. I mean awful. But you know what? We live in a world today that's full of darkness. And would to God that every one of us in this room would have a fear of living in this dark world and that we would run to the light of the world, Jesus. I'm glad He was a light to lighten the Gentiles. I know that Jesus came and while He was on this earth, He's reaching out to Israel and He's trying to get them to see that He is the Messiah and they just turn Him away. But I'm going to tell you, I'm glad the good news came to the likes of people like you and me and brought light to our souls. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken. Now I know, I know parents like to hear people gloat about their children, but can you imagine this education they're getting? But before Simeon closed his mouth, listen to what he said. He said, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Do you know what I believe that was? I believe that that was a prophecy. He was telling Mary, Mary, one day there's going to be an instance involving this child. It's going to be like a sword's gone through your heart. You know, if you're a parent here in this room this morning and you've lost a child, you might know a little bit about a sword going through your heart. I believe Simeon was pointing years later when Mary would stand at the foot of an old rugged cross and she would watch her son die a slow, bloody, agonizing death. I don't think at the time Mary could understand that, could comprehend it. But I wonder if when she was at the cross, the words of Simeon rang in her head. You know, there's nothing more powerful, I think, in earth than a mother's love. 
mother's care. You know, mother's heart, a mother's compassion. When I was a kid, one time I had a bumblebee sting me on the thumb. I'll never forget it. My thumb swole up like a big sausage. And I ran in the house. I didn't go to dad. I went to mom. And I still remember, I went up to mom and my thumb was huge. And I went up to her and I was like, I mean, you couldn't even understand what I was saying. And I'm showing her that you could see that big old entrance where that stinger had gotten me. And I'm just, and you know, the strangest thing happened. After a while, mom starts crying and I stop crying. And the boy who started out going, now I'm like, well, mom, it's not that bad. It's going to be okay. I think I'm just going to go out and play some more. You know what that was? That was a mother's love. And I believe Simeon was pointing and saying, you know what, there's coming a day. There's going to be a sword that goes through your heart. And I have no doubt that it was the cross. And you know what, there may be some of you in this morning, listen, you may be a mother, you may be of experienced loss, and you have rejected, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Can I tell you, the shadow of the cross was found just soon here at the manger scene. Soon after Jesus was born, you see a shadow of things to come. Let me tell you why that babe came to this world. He came to this world to die on the cross for you. You look across this room, you don't, have to, you don't have to look very far. You know this room's just filled with a lot of awful people. You say, now preacher, no, just wait a second. You know what, every pew is filled with people who are imperfect, flawed. And before you think I'm high and mighty, I'll tell you this platform's filled with people who are flawed. I just happen to be the only one up here right now. But I'm going to tell you, in spite of my imperfections and in spite of all of my disappointments and in spite of breaking God's law, listen to me, I'm glad He sent Jesus to die on the cross for me so that I could be saved. Simeon saw the significance of the Savior, have you? Let me ask you, has there ever been a day in your life where you came to the realization that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and you accepted Him, you put your faith and trust in Christ and when you look, you say, He's my salvation. I'm afraid there are a lot of people today that see Jesus but yet they don't know who He is. Several months ago, maybe it's been even more than a year ago, for us in America it didn't mean a whole lot, but the Queen of England died. It's interesting, at Ambassador we have two missionary kids that are over in that part of the world, and when the Queen of England died, I mean their worlds came to a standstill. Because every day they lived as a teenager, I mean they, you know, they were over there in England or Ireland, and it was like you know, that was a big deal. But after the Queen of England died, I was just going through and I was learning a little bit about her life and I came across a story that I've, I don't know that I'll ever forget. They were interviewing the Queen of England 
or excuse me, they were interviewing the bodyguard, one of the bodyguards, the police officers that watched after the Queen of England. And this was an interview from years ago. And the interviewer asked the bodyguard, said, uh, could you tell us any funny stories about the Queen? And he chuckled and he said, well, I do have one. He said, one day we were over in Balmoral, which was a, co- it was a cottage away from all of everything in London. And it was a place where the queen would go for a retreat. And for many, many years, that was a vacation home for her family. And he said, whenever we went to Balmoral, he said, it would, be unco- it would not be uncommon for me and the queen, just the two of us, to go wandering out into the woods and find a clearing and we would have a picnic. She just wanted to enjoy nature and... Then we would pack up and then she'd walk back to the cabin or to the castle. And he said, one day we're out there and after a picnic, we're walking back to the castle and we come across these two Americans. And the queen, you have to understand, she's not looking very queenly at this point. And here she is with her trusted officer and she was a very friendly woman and she stopped and she talked to these uh, folks and said, well, tell me where you're from. And I think one of the men was from Illinois. And after striking up some conversation, one of those Americans looked at her and said, well, where do you live? (laughs) And she said, well, I happen to live in London. And they were like, well, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, for many years we vacation out here and so we're just taking a little vacation time and such. And after asking her those questions, they looked at the man beside of her and they said, have you ever met the Queen of England? (laughs) Actually, let me back up. Let me back up. I got to get get it right. So they look at the queen and they ask the queen, they said, they said to the queen, they said, have you ever met the queen of England? And without missing a beat, she looks at them and she says, I've never met them, but met her, but she's, he's seen her, he sees her all the time. And they direct their attention from the queen to the bodyguard and they say, you've met the queen of England? And he was like, I sure have. They said, what is she like? He said, well, he said, she's a really nice woman, but she's a little ornery every once in a while. (laughs) And before he knew what was happening, these two Americans gave their cell phones to the Queen of England gathered to the side of this bodyguard and they said, take a picture. He knows the Queen of England and we want everybody back home to see this. And the Queen of England snapped the picture and the man wisely said, you know, since you're out here, he said, you might as well just get a picture with this lady too. And they said, oh, sure, sure. And they did. They stood, they snapped a couple of pictures and off they went. And the queen looked over at her bodyguard and she said, I would love to be a fly on the wall. (laughs) When they get back to America and they figure out who I really am. Now you know what? That's a story that brings us a lot of humor and laughter and rightfully so. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what I'm afraid of. 
There's going to be a lot of people that lived in the Bible Belt all of their lives and heard about Jesus, saw nativity scenes, and celebrated Christmas every year. And one day in eternity, they're going to wish to God that they had known who Jesus really was. And then it'll be too late. My friend, I want to tell you, Simeon saw who Jesus was and I want you to see him too.